Good morning, moms. Good morning to you folks who are here with us online, moms and everybody else. So delighted to have you here. And you might have recognized what we just played for you. It's the introduction to the television series called The Chosen. And we're doing that for eight weeks. But before I say anything about The Chosen else, I want to say one or more two things about Mother's Day. And because I just, Kathy said a bunch of stuff about Mother's Day, but I'm not letting her elbow me out. I get to do some of it also, which is I, I spent a couple of days last week with my siblings. My mom, our mommy died three years ago, the day before Mother's Day, happened to have been the 9th of May. She was 93. She had a great run. But still, as a totally grown man, well, almost totally grown. <laughs> so I, I miss her. And I just one of the things that's happened because of her death is I have become more intentional with my siblings. I don't really have an agenda other than I want to know them better. And all of us have softened a little bit. And so this is a transformation that's been happening with me uh, before this. But that, so I just want you to know that my mommy, uh, she loved me and I loved her. And like all of you, you, you just keep going. And for those of you who are moms, Kathy said it, um, who, who um, for those of you who have lost moms, Hey, in the family is where we can talk about it. In this kind of family, we can talk about that. And I, one, per, one group that Kathy didn't mention, and that's this one. This is hard to say. Some moms have lost children. And I was walking my doggie this morning, and I bumped into a friend. She's a member of a Jesus, a Jesus family, a different one than ours. I walked into her this morning, and she was walking her dog. And I said, hello and good morning. And then I said, happy Mother's Day. And as soon as I said it, I remembered that in their life, they suffered a tragic loss of a young adult child. I didn't say anything else, but I just wanted you to know if you, if you or somebody you love has, has been also a person who's had a child die, it's just irretrievably difficult. So love them. Just tell them you remember. Put your arm around their shoulder and, say, and tell them that you don't remember and you care. And there, there are folks in the room now who've been there. And so wouldn't we want to be that kind of people here? So we celebrate, and it's good, and you're going to get nail polish because you nail it. <laughs> but it's also the place where we can say, hey, we're a family of faith, and we can be authentic with each other. It's real relationships with God and with each other. And transformation, I'll give you a little, that's why I mentioned to me. I'm a different person because of God helping me and my siblings grieve my mom's death together. So that's all about that. Back to the whole thing about the TV. We're going to do eight of them. This is a series called The Chosen. I want to tell you a couple of things about The Chosen. If you haven't watched it yet, it's free. You can watch it on your phone. You go to the app store and you download The Chosen. It's totally free. You can Bluetooth it up on your screen in your television, whatever. And we're going to do season one, and it has eight episodes, and we're going to do those. In the title of the first season, uh, before I mention the title, I want to say this. These folks are very faithful in a very imaginative way. They're not trying to say something new or different or radical about the biblical text. In fact, it's the opposite. They're hoping that when you watch it, your response will be, go read the Gospels. Because what, we're, what it is is an, a sacred imagination trying to fill in the details with dialogue and relationships and all that kind of stuff. For instance, they portray Simon Peter, who you come to know Peter, is a guy who gets in fits fights all the time because <laughs> he's impulsive. And one of the early, in the first, in the first show, which go watch it. Go watch the first one. It's 54 minutes. That's after today. But if you don't do that, go watch the second one. It'll, you'll be even more ready for next week. 
and you're going to love it. And you can watch it on your iPad, your phone, on your television, and it's totally free. Download the app and watch it. So a creative but sacred imagination, these writers, and they really want you to be people and me to be a person who reads the Gospels and fills in the details and let this sort of help you get there. They're portraying, they, there's no phony portrayals in there, no new secret, new things that they've discovered. It's just faithfulness. It's crowdfunded. They built a stage in Texas. They're, the reason it's free is because they want it to be free because they're not trying to make money. They're trying to make the message of Jesus uh, real for people. So the title of the thing is called The Chosen, and we're asking the question for eight weeks, what does it mean to be chosen? And the answer this morning, what does it mean to be chosen? The answer is you are called, and in fact, you're called by name. That's what I want you to, what am I going to walk away from this morning? That I have been chosen, and it means I've been called, and I've been called by name. So that's what we're looking at. The first clip, before we play it, we've got two clips. The first clip is a very imaginative. It's going to introduce you to a character you may have heard of, Mary Magdalene. But she's called Magdalene because she's from a city on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, a little fishing village called Magdala. So she's Mary of Magdala. In the scene that we're about to see, it's about a minute and a half long, is young Mary, a little girl, totally imaginative but terrific, this totally imaginative, terrific scene with her father, who in the series is called Omar. So Omar and Mary are going to have this interaction. This little girl, Mary of Magdala, allow yourself to drift back into the first century Eastern Mediterranean and put yourself in a little fishing village right next to the Sea of Galilee. Say the words. Adonai's words. From the prophet? Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah write. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Come now. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear your pretty voice. Come. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. That's right. So there she is, little Mary of Magdala with her dad. And she, she's having trouble sleeping because she's afraid. And what happens to her is she becomes a deeply... Torment, tormented person as the New Testament says she becomes demon possessed but what we see here is this Jewish dad and a Jewish little girl 
putting, de dealing with life by sitting on top of the sacred text of the book of Isaiah. So here is what they quote. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Isaiah is a prophet. That's sort of a, a person's job, if you're a prophet, is to be a watchdog of the covenant relationship of us, the people with God, our maker. So a prophet's job is to tell people how to maintain faithfulness in the relationship. And they'll also tell you when you've gotten outside the bounds. So here is Isaiah coaching all of us. Look at these words. I'll walk you through them carefully. But now, Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God, the Lord. But now, this is what the Lord says. Quote, I mean, comma, the Lord who created you, Jacob, the Lord who formed you, Israel, just the meaning of Jacob and Israel. This is Jacob and Israel are two ways of saying the same thing. It's just a way that Jewish folks do things. They have two different names. It means the same. It's the nation of Israel, sometimes called Jacob, but later and permanently called Israel. So this is what the Lord says. He who created you, reminding someone who's scared that they didn't create themselves, and McLean said it already, we give back to God. Everything we have started with God, the God who created you. And then even more so, notice the word form. It's a slight, it's a slight add to on what it means to be created. God made us. God formed you. God formed me. God formed the earth. God formed that happy baby. Don't fear. If you're afraid, Isaiah is saying, remember God. It's great advice, friends. When you're afraid, remember God, but start out big. God, the creator who also intimately formed us. And why, in addition to God as creator, God is not only creator, but I also am redeemer. For I have redeemed you. Redeemed. What does it mean? It means purchased back. Take it in pure economics, like coupon. You redeem it. It also means restore, rescue and restore. So God, the creator who shaped us and formed us, also purchases us back, res rescuing us from where we are and restoring us, putting us back together. And then how powerful is this? I have called you by name. God knows your name says Isaiah. If you're scared, I've called you by name and I possess you. I, you are mine like a mother loves her child. You're mine. Wow. So this little Mary Magda, who's eight maybe in there, she's scared and her papa is holding his arms around her and coaching her up and helping her out. One of the things I thought about says, I'm a, I can't sleep, Daddy. I'm afraid. I got fears. On April 2nd, we had the Lord's Supper in here. We had a cross in here. And a bunch of you took these white sticky notes and came up and put them on the cross and then took the Lord's Supper and went back to your seat. I want you to know a bunch of this. These are treasures. A bunch of this is about fear. Fear of failure. Fear of loss. Fear of something about a relationship that maybe it's breaking or it's partially uh, broken and you're, you're worried about it. Fear about financial disaster. Lots of things about fear. Fear about sickness and illness. Folks are afraid. You might individually not be afraid, but it's not an uncommon thing. And so 
we're, we're, I want us to remember Isaiah, but fear is, is pretty regular. And so here's this little girl in this film clip inviting you to be totally raw with God about where we are in our lives. That's what this is about. If we did it in here together as a family, it was an awesome thing. This is what I want you to realize. It's the human condition. For those who were with us in worship last Sunday, Kathy used the terms human condition. And what that means is this. It's a pushback against kind of a popular contemporary cultural mindset. And I'll call that sort of the self-empowerment. I'm pushing back on behalf of the prophet Isaiah against that. I'm pushing back on behalf of Jesus against that mindset, self-empowerment. I can do it. And here's the truth. On our own, we ain't enough. That's the human condition. That's what the little girl was saying. And what we need is redemption. And what we need is rescue. And what we need is restoration. What does that mean to be chosen? It means we've been called, not just called, but called by name. And that's the powerful reality that Isaiah used to comfort the people of Israel, that Papa Oscar used to comfort his little girl Mary. And that's the powerful thing that I want us to all to be comforted with right now, whatever our condition is. But we try to do it on our own, and the human condition is that's what we try to do. And we want to admit that we can't do it on our own. And it's okay that we can't do it on our own. That's really good. You know why it's okay? It's because that's how we were made. You and I were made by God not to do it our own. We were made to be connected. It's what we mean by real relationship, real transformation. We're made to be connected to Jesus and to each other, and then we get transformed. As we connect, we transform. That's how we were made. We don't want to be on our own, but we think we do. So instead, what we do when we admit it, we run to the Father. It's a song we sing in here. We run to the one who made us and calls us by name. That's how we respond to the human condition. So that's what we're doing and when we think about what it means to be chosen, what it means to be called by name. Here's, the, here's another powerful thing that I want to make sure that we're clear about. Jesus is calling you and me by name right now just as we are. He's not calling you once you're some future better version of yourself. That doesn't work very well anyway, at least not for me. He's not calling the, who you think you're going to be down the road. He's calling you right now just the way you are right now today. And he's calling you in spite of who you are right now today. But also in addition to that, what's really cool is he's calling us so he can make us into who he made us to be, calling us in spite of who we are right now today, plus so we can become the people he made us to be. And, and there's a text that came up in my mind when I was reading this. I have it on my phone in Greek. You know how I like Greek. The reason I read it in Greek is because Greek was the language that the great apostle Paul wrote this in, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is God loving us as we are, but also wanting to plus that plus it into making us into the people he wants us to be. Look at it. I, I have it memorized in Greek and in English. God demonstrates or proves his own love for us this way. While you and I were sinners, says the word up there, Jesus died for us. Christ, Mashiach, it says here. 
Okay, let me, let me walk this one for, for you. Two verses you get to sit on today. Isaiah 43.1, Romans 5.8. Here's what we're trying to say. In spite of or while we were in our human condition of being sinners, and let me just remind you, we call ourselves ordinary sinners. Some of you have liked that, and so I'm going to keep saying Ordinary sinner means this. I do something wrong. I go, what have I done? And then I do something really important. I apologize. I try to make reparations. I try to fix it. Oh, what have I done? Ordinary people, this is what we do. We do it regularly. You do it regularly. And you know what? That's why you need to be redeemed. That's why I need to be rescued and restored because I say, oh, what have I done? And then I say, I'm sorry. I I playfully used another word to talk about people who are a little different than ordinary sinners. I'm looking around the room. I don't see any wicked people, but there's another word, wicked people. Okay, here's what a wicked person is. A wicked person is just like everybody else. They're ordinary, and they do something wrong. They sin, and then here's what they don't do. They don't say, I'm sorry. They won't apologize. They won't repent. So feel at home, ordinary sinners. And when I call you that, it's because I love you and because I know I'm an ordinary sinner, and I like having company. That's what we are. But look at what the great apostle Paul is saying. If I could get the text back up. Uh, Romans chapter, there we go. God demonstrates his love. The other way you could translate that Greek word is proves. God, but it's, it's activity that's happening in real time and continues on. Think of it as linear activity. It's God demonstrates. He didn't do it once. He keeps doing it all the time. Ongoing proof. God demonstrates his love for us. And then while we were still sinners, and same thing, linear activity going on in present, real time. So God is proving, and we are rebelling, and God fixed it. While all that was happening, and still happens, Jesus, it says here, it doesn't say Jesus, it says Christos, Mashiach in Hebrew. The Christ, the Messiah, died for us. The great apostle Paul is simply bringing forward what Isaiah said in chapter 43, verse 1. I love you. I know you. I'm calling you by name, and I've redeemed you. I've purchased you back. I've rescued you and restored you, and I will never stop. So let go of the myth that you can do it on your own, saying Isaiah, saying Paul. You can't. Let go of it. We are ordinary people, and we need an ordinary rescue. So here we are thinking about what it means to be chosen and thinking about what it means to be called. And we met this figure called Mary, Mary of Magdala. So I mentioned that she was from this small village, not far from Nazareth, the hometown of Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, but goes back up north about 30 miles. And he lives in Nazareth. That's where he grows up. And here's what we know about Mary. Mary was a person who appeared to be living in a terrible darkness. Today, we might call her uh, passive, uh, uh, not pa- yeah, passive aggressive, we might call her bipolar, I don't know, but th- 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 she was said to be possessed by demons, and she lived in a terrible, dark place in life and in the world. It's portrayed gently but beautifully in the movie when you see all of it. So we're, Mary is a person, however, who was called by name, purchased back, rescued and restored. Here are just three bullet points about who Mary becomes. Are you ready? Can you see them? Can you read them? So Mary is a faithful follower of Jesus. She is one of his female disciples, and she gets listed by name. 
And she follows Jesus around. It says in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, not only is she one of his followers, of her own means, she's supporting him. She's putting some money into it. She's helping out the movement by supporting financially. Mary says that. Two second bullet point. Mary of Magdala. We call her Mary Magdalene. It's the same Magdalene of Lake Magdalene Boulevard. It's the same way. That's, that's where that comes from. Um, Mary Magdalene also was there on site when Jesus was crucified. And I put the text up for you. And she was also witness to his burial. Okay? The third bullet point is this. She was the first or a first to see the tomb being empty. And then she had the incredible experience of being in John's gospel, the first person to whom Jesus spoke, the first person who saw him and ran into him post-resurrection. This woman went from a deeply troubled person to being redeemed and rescued and restored and it brought back to life and given new life. That's who she was. Now, before we go to the clip, just a couple other things about the clip. In the clip, where we're, we're going to be is in a tavern. And this is the second time in the episode the tavern scene has appeared. The man running the tavern cares about her. And the first scene, which we're not showing, he gives her some kind of herbal hot tea mix, hoping to help her. She's deeply troubled, and her demon possession is portrayed really well in the video. And basically what he says to her after she tries it, she says it's terrible and it, it doesn't work. Can she somehow get these things out of her? And the answer is that stuff didn't help. Another thing that happens before the scene you're about to see is one of the most important religious figures in the entire New Testament, Jewish religious figure, Nicodemus, goes to her and tries to cast the demons out of her. He's not able to. The point of the drama is only Jesus is able to cast those spirits out of her. Her nickname, her alias in the clip, and you'll hear him say it. You have to lean in a little bit. He'll call her Lilith, Lilith, or Lily. Lilith happens to be an ancient term for female demons. That's what I mean about the sacred imagination of the writers. I thought it was fantastic that they had a, an affectionate term for her, but it also was a name that pointed to something that was true about her. Her name is Mary, but she gets called in here Lilith. A couple of things about nicknames. thought I would just personalize this a little bit. My full name, Walter Fitzjames Hendry Connor. Okay? You're wondering where does Fitz come from. It means <coughs> illegitimate son of royalty. <laughs> it does. If you look it up, Google it. But when I was a little boy, I was called Jimmy. I was Jimmy Connor. No S. Jimmy Connor, but my older brother, who was, yes, mean, he thought that Fitz was a funny-sounding name, and so he would try to pick on me by calling me Fitz. Well, it backfired on him. I took a liking to it. So in middle school, I started introducing myself as Fitz, and by the time I was in high school, my teachers, everybody called me Fitz, so I was Fitz. So there, I don't know if you've had a name change. Um, but, back, but one other name thing about me, when I graduated from college and went to work for Young Life in Jacksonville, my boss, a woman, Joanne Pratt, she called me Legion. And the reason she called me Legion is because in Mark chapter 5, Jesus casts demons out of a man who's running around the graveyard. And Jesus asked the man, what's his name? And the man said, Legion. <laughs> so I guess she thought I had a couple of things going on. I don't know. <laughs> 
It was affectionate. She liked me, but I guess she never knew where I was coming from. So all of that is to say is that there's, there's affection in the nickname and in the alias. But still the question is, I've redeemed you. I've called you, Isaiah says, by name. You are mine. So I think that's enough for you to understand. Jesus only is able to drive the demons out of her. Mary of Magdala, who you know as Mary Magdalene. So did it work? I'm sorry, Lily. Elias? What? We should talk, huh? Leave me alone. Oh, what, huh? He's going to scratch me too. Come on, not now. So see. Not now. Fine, she smells anyway. <laughs> I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Not of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You
In silence, with the question up on the board, read it. From what do you need to be rescued? Pray privately, and then I will pray for all of us. Now I will pray for all of us. We thank you, gracious God, creator God, redeemer God. We thank you for three things. We thank you that you know us intimately, that you know us by name. We thank you that you want to be in a relationship with us. And we thank you that you chose to communicate with us through the history of Israel, through the person of Jesus, and through Scripture. We thank you for these things, God, and, and we admit some things to you, God. We admit that we can't do it on our own. We didn't earn it. We can't earn it. We admit that we need rescue and restoration. And finally, gracious God, we praise you, and praise is our way of cheering for you in gratitude. And we praise you because you call us by name and you have sent Jesus to rescue us. King of the universe, enthroned, thank you. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing one more song.